This is Dad Pod. I'm Osher Ginsberg, and this is Charlie Clawson. Hello. Hello, mate. He's back in, in, in trucker hat and, and beardy mode, which I love. Um, <laughs> it's my white trash look. I always say that uh, Brad Pitt in California is my style icon. <laughs> And and why not? It's a great film. <laughs> yeah, not a great character, but uh, I do. I no, do. White, white trash is that that suits me best. That's the fashion style that suits me best. It's pretty good. <laughs> this is a podcast that is made by dads for dads who don't want to be shit dads, and that's basically it. We've been here since before the kids got born. Iona, Charlie's daughter, is a month younger than Wolfie, my youngest, who's then they're both nearly three. So that's where we are. If you want to go back and hear us when we are well rested and talking about how much we're looking forward to everything, mm. you can go back and listen to early episodes. But here we are. If this is your first time listening, uh, Charlie and I, sometimes we live in opposite worlds where I'm sometimes a lot away for work and um, my wife Audrey is home by herself sometimes. And Charlie has a busy podcasting and writing and, and you know, screenwriting life. And also his wife as a director is often away for work. So Charlie's trying to balance the lot and um, their toddler. How's your week been, mate? It's been all right. It's been all right. Um, This is not foreign territory for me. I've done a lot of solo dating. Extra wrinkle in the story, Jem's dad has been out visiting. He lives uh, in Portugal normally, um, but he flew out to see his granddaughter for the first time. And we had planned like a whole sort of three and a half weeks together. But as you know, Osh, in this industry, when work comes, you have to answer the call. And uh, Mm. a job came in for Jem that took her to the United States a week earlier than uh, was planned. So I have been solo parenting, but I've also been playing solo host to my (laughs) father-in-law, which... Wow. It's not like, you know, the regular, you know, I think in, in regular circumstances when grandparents live in the same country, it's like an extra pair of hands. And and to an extent, it has been an extra pair of hands. But to a further yeah. extent, it's more been I have been trying to parent while playing host, uh, which has just sort of added an extra layer of complexity to things. And Roger's like, he's, he's incredibly independent. And I don't want to make it sound like I have had two children, but it's more just the balancing of I want to make sure that Iona is being looked after, but I also want to make sure that Rog is getting the most out of his, you know, three and a half weeks in Australia because it's a long fucking way yeah. to come. You also want to make sure that when when your wife gets back, that your report card of like my son-in-law's a good lad still oh, yeah, is yeah, a great yeah. dad. This know, is also look- his first time seeing you being a dad, his <laughs> grandchild. You want to make sure that your report card is ten out of ten. But it is funny in in a lot of ways, like because I, you know, I do all the cooking and stuff, and so I've been cooking for Rog as well, and so it's kind of been. Like having, and, and I know Rog does listen to Dad Pod from time to time. So, Rog, I'm not saying <laughs> hey, you're Rog. like a kid, but I've been cooking for two. And it's, so it's like I have been cooking and cleaning up after two people. And so, in, in some ways, it's been like really great because Rog is able to take, you know, that hour when I wouldn't have to go to the doctor or, or anything like that. But then the other flip side is like, I want to make sure that when I own in daycare, that Rog and I go do something fun, that I show him the sites, you know, that we do all this kind mm. of stuff. Sometimes I'm like, well, if I put the iPad in front of Iona, can I put the TV on for Rog? Does that work? Is that uh, gives me like an extra two hours I can get some writing done? Put the golf on and off you pop. (laughs) I went and got my second COVID booster on Tuesday. And I don't know how you have reacted. I always have a bit of a reaction to the the COVID shots. Like that makes me kind of pretty sick for about 24 hours. But Mm. this one was the worst one I've had yet where like I woke up at three in the morning and I was pouring with sweat and it was like- it felt like having a really bad flu. My bones were achy, head achy. And oh, no. uh, I sort of like stumbled out of bed. And uh, uh, it was a day 
of course, not a daycare day. So I had to have Iona for the entire day. Oh, man. And we had swimming lessons. And so, and I had a doctor's appointment, like ironically, I had a, another doctor's appointment. And so I took Iona to swimming lessons, which was like probably expended all my energy doing that. <laughs> and then I came back and, and Rog was like being very helpful. He was like, hey man, like, you know, is it, I can see you're clearly struggling. Do you want me to take over for an hour or two? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was one of those days where I had something scheduled in where like I couldn't even really get half an hour's kind of sleep. No, so at one point I found myself like lying on my back trying to play blocks with Iona, but like, <laughs> eyes closed, just like one hand, like vaguely reaching for blocks to add them. And then, you know, got through that, made dinner, and I was like, oh, God, like if I can just get her into bed, I'll, yeah. I'll be okay because I can just go and lie down myself. But that mm -hmm. was the night that Iona decided she wasn't going to go to sleep. And oh, it was like, I think we got to 10.30 and she was like still oh. sitting up and I am so sick. <laughs> like oh, I'm lying mate. in her bed and I'm just like, please, kid, like I'm going to die. <laughs> you, have yeah. to, you have to go to sleep. So, look, she eventually did, and I did roll out of her bed and crawl into my bed and finally get to sleep and felt fine the next day. It's normally just a 24-hour thing. But fuck, man, how do single parents do this? Like, what happens when you get food poisoning as a single parent? What happens? Yeah. I've got friends who are single parents, but I just, I, like, I do not get how you do it. Like, is it, my mum used to say that, well, parents don't really get sick. When you've got a child to look after, you don't really get sick because that takes priority. Yeah. I don't know about that because I felt pretty bloody sick and I don't know that I was delivering like ultimate childcare. Mate, I, I really empathise with that. It's hard. That's super duper duper hard when that happens. And um, but, but good on you for getting that booster because I, I, got, I got mine the other day as well and uh, I, was a bit, I was a bit rough after it. I think collectively I've had four doses now. Same. But I did the maths because I was like – I'm very pro-vaccine. I'm a very pro-vaccine guy, but some kind of like little Star Trek II Wrath of Khan worm got in my head about vaccines. I'm like, oh, fuck, no. Now it's I was, so I did the maths and it turns out it's like one in 800,000 are in hospital vaccinated versus mm. one in 18,000 are in hospital unvaccinated. I'm like, well, that's there's some odds. Yeah, All right, I'll take yeah. that. I'll get, hit, hit me with it, mate. Get it, but I had to do the sums. I had to get the calculator out, and I felt better after that. But, yeah, I yeah. do. I totally understand. As far as single parents, mate, Order was 23 when she had Georgia, who's now 18. And I guess she she basically talks about the you kind of compartmentalise it. Mm. You just compartmentalise the whatever's happening in your body to one side. Well, that's what she can do anyway. Compartmentalise it to one side and go, all right, this is what has to happen right now. Bang, 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 bang. And right, as you just mentioned, it's hard, but then it sounds like you're doing exactly what she did and you just do everything you got to do anyway. You just try to just get through it the best you can. And sometimes, and the thing is, mate, it's like, it's like anything. Sometimes that's as good as it's going to be. You are going to get all 153 episodes of Blue today, kid. That's yeah. what's going to happen. <laughs> and I know normally we say one more, but today it's going to be 80 more. I'd be really interested to hear from any uh, dad pod listeners out there who are single parents. Like, write in mm -hmm. and tell us what your story is, the good and the bad, because I think it is helpful because yeah. whether you're a single parent or not, there are going to be times where you are parenting solo. And, you know, you're joking about the, the blue on the iPad, but I have had to default to that, you know, a few times. And I, I think it's also because I'm reading the emotional state of Iona because it's, it's been more or less good, but she yeah. is having these little peak emotional moments, you know, like freak outs over, you know, getting dressed, freak outs over brushing teeth, freak outs over daycare. Like, 
you know, this, for example, I've just dropped her at daycare today. Today's pajama day at daycare. They're raising money for foster families. And all week she was super excited about like pajama week, pajama week, pajama week. Mm -hmm. And then we woke up this morning. I'm like, you know what day it is? And she was like, what? I said, pajama day. And she was like, and I was like, what? I don't get it. You've been like looking forward to this all week. And then, you know, because Jem, the time zone difference is like we do a chat with mum in the morning. And that mm. seemed to calm her down. But then it was just like, as soon as the phone call ended, she was like freaking out. And I'm like, oh, Bluey, yeah. come and save me. And I, part of me is like, oh, fuck, man, am I just, am I a bad parent because I'm defaulting to this thing rather than like toughing it out? But then I'm like, man, path of least resistance sometimes. Like I've got to save my mental health for the, for the, I've got to play the long game. Yeah, it's, but you don't do it every day, Charlie. Yeah. And that's the thing. you got to let yourself off the hook here. You don't do it every day. You do it in extreme circumstances as the pull ripcord. You're breaking the glass and you're pushing the button. And that's what you're doing. You know, And that's, oh, that's totally fine to do. You don't rely on the good folks at Ludo Studios to raise your child, as, even though they'd probably turn out all right. Uh, <laughs> you are. It was pretty funny. Uh, Will and I, on our other podcast, Two Guys, One Cup, we do our uh, football tips on the Thursday on Instagram yeah. Live. And so I tried to do that because Roger was having a bit of a nap. And so I had uh, Frozen on the TV in the next room to my office while <laughs> Will and I were doing the tips. But we would get like a minute into it and then I only would call out because there was something scary on the TV. So oh, yeah, I was, man. We can't. I was trying to get back and forth. We still can't do movies. We watch movies in chunks. Yeah. I've kind of learned the time codes to pause and then skip forward and then come again. Well, I even went to like on Disney Plus, there's like a Frozen, there's a G-rated, like it's the snowman, like it's like a anthology series. And I'm like, well, it's rated G. Like how bad could it be? So I put that on. But at yeah. some point there was a donkey getting chased through the village. <laughs> and that was yeah. upsetting too. And I'm like, okay, all right. Not even G-rated is going to do it here. It made me think about screenwriting differently because usually in the first three minutes of the film, there's something quite intense, whatever it is, the opening few shots are quite intense. And so to the point now when Wolfie hears a run dun, run dun, run dun, he's like, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to. Okay. Because yeah. you know, after that, something scary is about to That's happen. That's true. Like, you're that not 20th wrong, century mate. Fox Drummel is like, get ready. Some shit's going to happen. It's coming. Yes. It's coming. Some shit is yeah. going to happen. <laughs> the opening shot is like some giant plaza. Dun, 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 <laughs> the shit comes coming. Yeah, you're right. Yes. I never thought about it like that. Or the universal power. But like it's it's something happens, and so that's why you know six minutes of blue is is pretty good at a time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, mate, just on that single parenting thing, like I think what you did is exactly how single parents do it. You've just described exactly it: eyes closed, playing blocks. Yes, blue when need be. Yes, still not like, and then just crawling into bed and hoping yeah. that tomorrow's going to be okay. And that's <laughs> it. Like that's and you did it perfect, mate. You did it absolutely perfectly. It would have been hardcore. I'm not going to lie, mate. I know the desperation, but, but you know. It's just trying to remember that it's not going to be this way forever. And I have a pain psychologist, as you know, and she tells me to reflect upon the impermanence of the situation. Oh. And that's that's really important because our brains tend to – our brains do three things. Our brains make things permanent, personal, and global. Like, mm. uh, this is how it's always going to be. This is only happening to me. And this is not only this, it's everything. Yeah. And well, the tricks that our brains played have – kept us safe through billions of years of evolution, right? So to challenge those is the real, is the real you know, quick get out of jail free card. She, you know, so she does remind me to just kind of meditate on the impermanence of it. And it might even be with the grizzly, grizzly kid. Okay, well, you're, you're a different grizzly to what you were a minute ago. Yeah. You know, but then you'll the, be a different 
effectively in a minute from now. Impermanence is the permanent, no, I, ironically, impermanence is the permanent state <laughs> of yeah. a toddler. Because that is yes. the thing that constantly surprises me is like she'll have these like these mini explosions which you mm. feel like, fuck, like, oh, my God, I'm never getting her back. And then whoop, within five minutes, that same thing that was upsetting her is not a problem anymore. Yeah. And it's something I'm, I'm getting used to. But I think it that is like a, a perfect bit of advice, especially for parenting, is focus on the impermanence. Because yeah. Not only is the tantrum going to pass, but this phase of where they're at is going to pass quite quickly. Yeah, as quickly as the, the even the crying is different to what it was 30 seconds ago, and it'll be different 30 seconds from now. And yeah. it's just kind of breaking it down into that granular-sized, handleable chunks. And yeah. I understand they're not going to cry like it feels like forever, but it actually isn't. They mm. will eventually sleep, and you too. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to say, mate, Wolf – apples don't fall far from the tree. You are your father's son. We've been shooting a, a big, massive, fun, shiny floor TV show called The Masked Singer. And um, Wolfie's got to come to set oh. uh, a couple of times. And it's the toddler side of stage wearing hearing protection headphones, you know, because there's pyro and a PA and, you know, a gigantic singing flower pot or whatever. And, mate, I, I can't tell you uh, – Taking kid to work day was always a trope in TV shows, you know. Um, they did it heaps on The Simpsons, they, you know, every TV show does it. I never did it before. I've never done it. I've never taken a kid who, I mean, Georgia came, but by that point she was a teenager who was like, okay, so there's fireworks and Lindsay Lohan's here and, <laughs> uh, you know, fair enough. You know, by the time you're 15, you're like, nothing is exciting. Nothing. <laughs> you know, if it's not my mates, I'm not interested in. And that's fine because I was the same. But... Wolf standing side of stage with his little, you know, 3M headphones on, keeping his ears safe, his, you know, OH&S headphones, dancing mm. to whatever, like a, a giant snail or a flower pot, I can't remember which That's one, cool. like singing some wild song and just totally fine with it, totally fine with being in a room full of 300 screaming strangers, 14 cameras, you know, crew running everywhere in blacks, steady cams flying past him, totally cool with it and um our stills photographer ben when we showed up you know i said to wolfie do you want to, do you want to walk out on stage he goes yeah I'll walk out on stage so there's gonna be all these people out there okay and as i, as I walked out i'm in my fancy suit ready to go and i kind of the shushy um shushy lips to to the crowd so that they didn't scream to, mm. to freak him out but he was so fine dude he was so fine standing <laughs> on that stage in front of 300 strangers like of course i'm on this stage wow. of course and then well, I picked him up and we had it. We did a little a still shot with him and then I put him down and I had to get my press shots or whatever. And um, he came another night and he says, um, am I going on stage for my photo now, Dad? <laughs> Is it now? I'll go on later. Oh, I'll go on stage later, okay? Yeah. And most of the time that we were there, Audrey, because at the end of the song, you know, I run on and, and I go, ah, fire hose, you're amazing. You know, whatever the mask is, mm. I'm, I'm making them up, you know, but apparently Audrey would just literally have to grab him because he, would, he wouldn't want to fly up the stairs behind me to come and be on stage and do the thing with me. <laughs> but the, what, what's wild is because he was using future tense and ownership language like he's never used it before. It wasn't, I'll go up there for my photo. Am I going to get? On, I'm going to get on stage and I'll do the thing now. Like he's personalizing what he's about to do in the future. And I know this sounds like, 
so what? But it's the first time he's ever done that. He's projecting a future version of himself mm. onto a place that doesn't exist, you know, because we're at home talking about it. And the, the way his little brain is now creating this space in his mind that he's so comfortable standing in, you know, and using language to describe it, all tonight our eyeballs are just like widening and widening. <laughs> It was so cool, man. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, it was it was really, really fun. And um at one point, the second time he came, because he wanted to wear a mask. So Audrey put eye- eyeliner, I think she uses. She puts a little black nose on him and gives him whiskers right. to make him into a little cat. Yeah, he should be a wolf. Come on, it's right there. He's already been is, a wolf. Is, is he's, it too on the nose? Yeah. He's yes. Yeah, ah, you see what you did there? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I didn't. So he's a <laughs> he's a cat. And so the second time he came. And um, when we were hanging out backstage, he's speaking only in meows <laughs> and he was crawling on all fours. I'm like, hey, Wolfie, this, I work, this is Chrissy. I work with Chrissy. Meow, meow. He's on all fours, crawling around. Meow, meow. And he goes, oh, is this a little cat? Meow, 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 meow. He's speaking like that and he's, he's not walking. Mm-hmm. He's crawling, but not crawling like baby crawling, like I'm a cat crawling. Like he's, he's. You know, and and Wolfie, this is Abby. Meow, 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 meow. Like having whole conversations as his little cat, but not for a little bit. Like the whole time was not himself. And that's just who he was. He was just a cat. Yeah. For the whole afternoon. <laughs> Iona was- likes to pretend to be a dog, which is fine. But then she will get this ribbon out of the bottom drawer in the kitchen and insist that you put a lead on her and lead her around the house. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I know this is play acting. I don't feel comfortable doing this. That's fair enough. <laughs> I guess what was interesting for me was that he was, you remember in, in theatre school, and I've done it too, when they make you speak in gibberish? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's a way of taking language out of your performance. So, you know, you just go... Yeah, as you are using the, the the tone of your language to communicate your intent rather than the actual words. The the full conversations with the inflections and the questioning and things like that, but all in meows, was the thing that totally blew my mind. <laughs> and it's like, she's not even three, mate. <laughs> and sometimes he's an octopus, and when he's an octopus, it's in blobs. He goes, blub, 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 blub. It's just... Freaking bananas! Dude. Maybe rather than being into entertainment, maybe you're raising Doctor Doolittle. Maybe this is yes. this, this is the origin story of Doctor Doolittle. Finally, a yeah. good version of Doctor Doolittle. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Uh, I, we've got some emails actually came through, Charlie. We've got ah, some emails and some Instagram messages. Fantastic! So, some questions, uh, some comments, some concerns. We're going to get to them in just a moment, and later in the show, we are actually going to speak with a, a speech pathologist, a speech pathologist, Doctor <laughs> Sarah Piedmont. <laughs> Yeah, ironically. And um, maybe we can ask her about um, meows. Uh, (laughs) If you ever want to get in touch with us, askdadpod at gmail.com. We're also dadpodgram on Instagram, and that's how you get in touch with us. And the following people have, let's call this person Sul. Sul has written, if you go to the gym, but then you cop it because mum doesn't get that time, Mm. what do you do? Um, well, like a fair and equitable splitting of recreation time, I think is the simple solution. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think so. There's uh, needs to be, needs to maybe take this a step back, mate, and, and maybe work on the scheduling and start implementing the, the, uh, <laughs> you, 
I don't want to say it's a point system, but it might be a point system. I, I think that's pretty, yeah, that's a pretty basic. I and mean, that's why Jim and I do it. It's just a one for you, one for me. Like if if yeah. I go to the gym in the morning, then, you know, she minds I own her to do gym or whatever she yeah. wants. Like that's that's basically how. We don't have an official, yeah. it's not on the whiteboard or anything like that, but it's, no, I, I guarantee Jim will remember if I've had like time to do something. It's, uh, I think the yeah. tit for tat, that, that's the best way to do it. Oh, uh, yeah, you can't, it's, it's all you got to understand. The baby stuff, the toddler stuff will always be there, always. Mm. And that is what life is now. That is the choices that we've made as dads. This is the life that we have now. The life that we used to have is gone and it's never, ever, ever coming back. And that's fine because what this is, is brilliant and amazing. And it just takes a little more planning. Yeah. And it's fine. And there's things that just always need to happen every day. You know, laundry, dishes, all, all that stuff. You kind of constantly be resetting. Imagine you've got a cafe. You've got to constantly be ready for open, all right? Mm. Because every time that kid wakes up, you're back. Customers are coming in the door. So as long as you're constantly keeping that stuff up and making sure if you get ahead of the game a bit so your wife or partner can go to the gym, then that's that's it, mate. you got to make sure they get that time, mate. Yeah, and um, I wonder if maybe – it depends on your gym habits as well because if you're one of those guys who – spends like two hours at the gym, God, that's maybe doing? a bit too much. Because, that, I mean, I, I say that as a guy who used to like pre-child, you know, a, a workout could take two hours because you check your phone, you get a drink, yeah. you, say you watch a music video on the screen for half an hour, whatever it is, like you take your time. But nowadays- oh, yeah. Gorillas, yeah. I used to really like yeah, this song. That's right. That fucking guy who just takes up time on the machine, like checking his emails, just do your yeah. sets, mate. You got to change that. Like, so what I did, because I knew that my time was going to be limited, is as I just switch programs and I try and do stuff that fits into an hour at the most, but like half yeah. an hour to 45 minutes. So you can do like cross training stuff, which is the best way to, because it's not like you can do a half hour jog and then like a one hour weight session, then a 20 minute stretch, that, that's gone. So try no. and do something where you mix up your, cardio and your weights in the same session. So doing like cross training, kettlebells, things like that. Or what yep. I try and do is like, I will, uh, I'll do 2k on a treadmill. And so I've got a choice to do that as a slow walk or a run. If I, you know, want to make most of my weights done then I'll sprint that 2k. If I want a slower, more gentler cardio, then I'll walk that. That means I get less time, but just try and cap it. And I think that that will probably make it a more, if you say to your wife, I will be back within an hour. I think that's a reasonable request as long yeah. as it's reciprocated. And exactly what Charlie's saying, Saul, is actually, if you're the, the two-hour, three-hour guy at the gym, you'll probably be doing yourself a disservice as far as your body's response to what it is you're doing at the gym. Mm. You're trying to create a metabolic state inside your body that causes, I'm guessing, hypertrophy and you know bone growth and, and muscle growth to be stimulated. And if, you, if you're taking so long that you're cooling all the way down between a set and then you're coming back up again, you're really robbing yourself of whatever gain you're trying to make there, whatever gain that is, including even just a VO2 gain or cardio gain. So what Charlie's saying, get a solid 45 minutes, get it done and get out of there, but also make sure you plan ahead and say, this is the time. If you plan your partner's gym time before you plan your gym oh, yeah, time, that's good thinking. you're fine. Yeah, yeah. That's actually, that is very smart advice. You present her with her needs first and then tail in with what you want to do as well. That's really smart, Osh. And once again, not what I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> do as I say, not as I mouth, do. Like, actually, I should probably do that more. I should probably do that more. And a real quick one here from Dari. Dari saying, at what age should I start giving my child raspberries? At oh. what age to go from raspberries to tickles? Right. And at what age should I play 
the Got Your Nose game. Huh. Thoughts? Well, I think uh, raspberries and tickles are... I started those very early. I think they're that's just good general kind of like uh, oxytocin sharing kind of contact sports, right? I mean, this is your kid, right? I mean, giving raspberries to other kids is a bit of a that, – that's probably more of a boundaries kind of my thing. Child. My uh, child. Oh, very yeah, clearly written my okay. child. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So I, I was doing raspberries really early. Iona loves them. The got-your-nose game for me is the tricky one because that can freak a kid out. Absolutely. So I think we waited till probably Iona was at least one before he did the got-your-nose. And we – Kind of in relation to the previous email, the, we empowered Iona to grab our noses first so that yeah, when we right. took her nose, she realised what the game was. So I think, you know, <laughs> we didn't go straight to got your nose. We pretended to eat body parts. So I'd be like, I'm eating your arm. Nom, 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 nom. And then she'd yeah, eat right. my arm. Nom, 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 nom. So we sort of built up to the idea of like, you know, uh, uh, playing with <laughs> removing I and consuming got- body parts. <laughs> Mate, I, I got a flashback when you said that before of one of my dad's checkmates down in Adelaide when I was really little, and I remember his massive, you know, you know, his name was Pavel or something, this huge kind of Pavel-like worker hands. It was a brickie or something with a thumb that was like as as big as a cross paint hammer, right? Mm. And um, he said "Gutunos" uh, or whatever, and I remember him <laughs> taking his this gigantic hand came towards me, and he said "Gutunos," and, he, and I and I remember just as you said, I remember being horrified, like <laughs> what? I need that. Yeah. <laughs> Checking my face, oh, it's still there. It's still there. And that's a really good play. Yeah. I'm glad you did that. I hope that helps you, Diary. If you need to get in touch with us, ask dadpod at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram, Dad. Podgram is where we are. Our guest today is Dr. Sarah Verdon Piedmont. Uh, she's a speech pathologist and an early childhood researcher. We're going to get to her right after this. Charlie, our guest today is Dr. Sarah Verdon Piedmont. She's a PhD, a speech pathologist and an early childhood researcher. She's the owner and director of SVP Speech Pathology and the host of the Talking Children podcast. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on Dad Pod today. How, how are we so far? Is my enunciation okay? I'm kind of worried now. I'm really self-conscious. <laughs> but I might be yeah, people this. tend to get quite self-conscious around me, but all good so far. Well, it's, it's a good place to start, Sarah, because when do you know to take your child to a speech pathologist? What are you looking for? What what What's the differentiation? Differ, di, what is the disorder? Oh, my God. No, I need <laughs> a speech pathologist. <laughs> That's happened to both of us. <laughs> We're so intimidated. <laughs> but how do you know the difference between a, 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 just a, a child learning to use their mouth and when it's something that they need to see a speech pathologist? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I guess uh, first I wanted to go through all the different things that you could actually go to a speech pathologist for because the name is a little bit of a misnomer because we don't just deal with speech. We actually deal with a lot of things that children go through. So speech is referring to how clearly kids say their sounds. So if a child had a lisp, for example, or if they say wabbit instead of rabbit, that's what we mean when we talk about speech. Right. But when we talk about language, we're talking about their ability to understand language. So can they follow your instructions and their ability to form sentences and communicate with you their needs. So that's what we mean when we say language. We also deal with voice. So do they have a really raspy voice, a really nasally voice, things like that. 
Another thing that we deal with is fluency or stuttering. So that's very, very common in the early years and something that a lot of parents are concerned about, especially when that sort of explosion of talking happens around three years. We also deal with feeding and swallowing, so fussy eaters um, and kids who have swallowing problems. And we deal with kids who are autistic or have social communication needs as well. So our scope of practice is really broad in the paediatric field and there's a whole swag of reasons why you might seek out a speech pathologist. But it's a great question to know when do you actually seek out a speech pathologist because as parents we tend to be sometimes we can be a little bit paranoid that things aren't going right with our kids or sometimes we can be the opposite end of the spectrum and be overly optimistic and think oh well they'll grow out of it I'm not going to do anything about it so there's a great resource that's been developed by Speech Pathology Australia and they're actually these posters and they're for 12 months 18 months and then two three four and five years and they actually tell you what your child should be doing at each of those ages in terms of their understanding but also in in terms of their speaking. And so as a general rule of thumb, we would expect children to have their first words by the time they turn one, even if it's just a couple, you know, mum, dad, the easier ones, and then to be continuing to um, develop that vocabulary as they go on. And as they're two, we're really expecting them to be putting two words together into a two-word sentence. And when they're three, we're expecting those sentences to be getting longer. And also we're expecting their understanding to be getting more complex. So at first they can probably understand pointing gestures and things like that. But as they're getting older, they should be able to understand one and two step instructions that have increasing complexity. So those posters are really helpful because they sort of give you an idea of how you can compare your children's progress to where they should be. You mentioned the letter R before, and that's probably a really common one. Like like I'm sure it's like from walking to crawling, the letter R is, it's a hard thing to do with your tongue to make Mm. the letter R. And trust me, it's a hard thing to teach as a speech pathologist. (laughs) Only when I moved to America did I discover I really don't ever say the letter R. As in the words of Tom Gleason, we don't even say the letter R when we say the letter R. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. At what age, if we're still saying, you know, wabbit, at what age do you be like, ah, there's, there should be an R in there somewhere? So you've hit the nail on the head, Osha, because R is actually one of the latest sounds to develop. So we're not really expecting that to come in until about five or six years of age. Yeah, so that's completely fine. (laughs) Uh, And it is terribly difficult for kids to say other really late developing sounds are the th sound. So you often get that F for TH or even a D for TH, like I saw Dem over there, over there, (laughs) Um, replacing the third sound because it's quite late developing sound as well. And so the earliest sounds that we're expecting are sort of what we call plosive sounds. So but we also expect M, which is, I guess you could hypothesise why most languages around the world have the word mum starting with a M because it's one of the first sounds to develop. Also D for dad. And typically dad is the first word that children yeah, say. Yeah, I heard that. It wasn't the case in my house. I heard that. I was tipped <laughs> off by a lot of people and I was expecting it. It didn't happen that way. It didn't happen. No. Oh, it did happen in my house. But my explanation to my husband was, well, that's because I'm talking about you all the time. So they're hearing your name all the time, but you're not saying my name as much. So oh, that's why good, they don't Good. Know. Good. Boy, I see what you did there. That's pretty. So I'm imagining, Sarah, that a lot of your work also identifies and speaking to parents about hearing 
Yeah, so although speech pathologists are trained to give hearing assessments when we when we're at university, we really recommend people see audiologists. And thankfully in Australia, we have some really good programs. So we have the newborn hearing screening program where all babies are checked before they leave hospital. And that picks up a lot of babies that otherwise would never have been picked up before. It used to be that kids weren't always discovered to be deaf until two or three years old when their parents realised they weren't listening to them or they weren't following Mm. instructions. So that's really fortunate. And we also have opportunities for children to get their hearing screened in the early years a number of times as well if parents are concerned. So we always recommend that parents go and get their kids hearing screened, especially if they're having a speech difficulty or an understanding difficulty before they come to a speech pathologist, just so that we can rule that out as the possible cause and know whether it's a language thing or a hearing thing. Because it's not just pronouncing the letter R, it's it's your understanding of the world. It's your ability to create and use language to then put ideas in your head and then have those ideas in your head come back out of your, your body so you can communicate to others. And it could really affect your ability to, you know, like communicate or, you know, conceive the planet like well into adulthood. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so that's true for hearing difficulties, but also true for speech and language difficulties yeah. as well. Yeah. And so... That's why we highly, highly recommend early intervention for all concerns around communication. And I think one of the biggest issues that we face is that a lot of families prefer to, uh, what we say, watch and wait. So wait and see what Mm. happens. Hopefully that the child will grow out of it. And I understand that perspective and because no one really wants to find out that there's something going wrong with their child. So I do understand that aspect. But what we know from the research is that the earlier you get in and find out what's going on and the earlier that that child can receive intervention, their trajectory for the rest of their life is so significantly enhanced. So I don't recommend waiting and watching. I really recommend getting in as quick as you can. And that's really important, especially in the Australian context, because in Australia, there's two ways that you can get speech pathology. You can get public speech pathology, which is free, so through community health centres, for example, or you can get private speech pathology, which obviously you have to pay for. And the public speech pathology is great, but the biggest issue is that we have huge waiting lists. So a friend of mine, Nicole McGill, she recently did a study and found that some services in Australia have up to 20 months as a waiting list for getting into speech services. So if we're thinking about early intervention, say you have a, a child who's three and a half and you're a little bit concerned about them You ring up today and you make an appointment. They might be four before you even see someone. And so if you find out that there's something going on, they have the opportunity to get assessed and then they've got, you know, a year, a year and a half before they're starting school that someone could be providing intervention, getting them on the right track. But say they're three and a half and you think, oh, I'm just going to wait and see, you know, they'll probably grow out of it. And at four and a half, you're thinking they're going to school next year and they still haven't grown out of it. You make the phone call then you're not even going to see someone until they're already starting school. So that's why it's so important to act on those hunches because my recommendation to parents is if you've got the feeling that maybe something's going on, you're probably right because those feelings don't just come from nowhere. You know, you see other children, you might have multiple children yourself or nieces and nephews. There's a reason you're worried, act on it. And worst case scenario, you get the assessment and everything's great. But if things aren't on track, then you've given your child the very best chance to get that head start and that early intervention. 
So, Sarah, but what are the actual steps? So, I mean, are you seeing a GP first or are you going straight to the speech pathologist? You don't need a referral to see a speech pathologist Ah. in Australia. So that's really good. (laughs) You can just ring up and make an appointment and you can ring your local community health centre and get an appointment. But if their waiting list is going to be outrageous, you might want to look privately. That said, I know I live in a rural area. Even our private speeches are quite booked out. So yeah, I wouldn't hesitate to make that phone call if you're concerned. We are so lucky, even with those waiting lists, we are so lucky in this country to have those off, have that. You have to have the option, yeah. Yeah, as I mentioned, when I lived in America, there's plenty of families that would not, that's not even on the radar. Like, that's it. You're saying the letter D for the rest of your life instead of TH. And that's, you know, if you can't follow instructions or you you can't get your head around how to get word, you know, ideas in your head out of your mouth to other people, you know, your options in life is so extraordinarily limited. And, geez, we're lucky here. We really are. I'm just going to exploit you completely here to ask a question about my son, Wolfie. Uh, <laughs> he came to The Masked Singer. He came twice. On one show, he came and we jumped on stage and we had a little photo together, whatever. And then, like, the next day at, at breakfast, he goes, I'll come to work with you again, Dad, and I'll stand on stage and I'll get my photo and then we'll see the crowd. Is that what's going to happen? happen that we'll do that today yeah okay and like it's like the first time he was using his his words to describe a, a future scenario that hadn't happened yet where he would you know have direct intentionality and like describing exactly how it was going to be using his his words to completely paint an entire picture of a reality that was yet to it i was like far out man you weren't doing that last week yeah. but then when we did go like he did come another week later uh, Audrey put a little mascara on his face and gave him little whiskers because, and he's a cat. Sometimes he dresses up like the cat. And when he was meeting people backstage in our dressing rooms and there was Chrissy Swan who I work with and Abby Chatfield who I work with and I'd never met Wolfie before. But when he's a cat, he's on all fours. And he doesn't crawl like a baby. He stalks like a cat. And, oh, Chrissy, this is Wolfie. And he goes, meow, 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 meow. And using his meows as if he was actually speaking words and like why do kids do that like he didn't actually use words like abby and chrissy don't know that he can actually speak english (laughs) (laughs) he only spoke meows well first of all i think it's amazing the level of communication that he's got how old is he nearly three he'll be three in about a month yeah, that age between two and a half and three, I just found my kids had this language explosion and every day they kind of just blow your mind with the, what they can conceptualise that they mm. never used to be able to. Yeah, I just think it's he's got a great imagination and he's just completely adopted the character and yet he knows that even when he's speaking in a meow that he needs to do it in a communicative way. <laughs> so he's using the intonation and the rise and fall and all that sort of thing. Well, it was questioning inflection as well. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, man. I know. And it's always the case that when they're meeting new people and you've probably talked them up and said, oh, you know, my son does this, my son does that. And then they'll just act like, act like a cat the whole time. <laughs> it was pretty It was pretty awesome. It was pretty great. I'm so grateful you came on. And just even hearing you, hearing what you had to say to us today, it, it just really opened my eyes to I guess keep so many puns, keeping keeping an ear out, uh, <laughs> and just being observant and just being aware. And the, and the idea, like so, so often, we're we're told as parents, like you're yeah, just being overly cautious here. Yes. But having you say, no, 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 there's probably something going on. Certainly, if you compare them to other kids, at this point, you're not supposed to compare them to other kids. But if you're talking about a 20 month waiting list, hearing yeah. that from you, going, just get it checked, just get it checked, and if it's fine, it's yeah. fine. But if it's not you are doing the greatest thing you can do for that kid. And um, look, honestly, 
I'm so grateful you came on the show today. Uh, Dr. Sarah Vernon-Petermont is the host of the podcast, Talking Children, which you can find where you found all your podcasts. Uh, and she's also uh, the owner and director of SVP, Speech Pathology. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thanks for having me. It's been great chatting. Gosh, how great was Associate Professor Sarah Verdon-Petermont. I learned so much from her today. The one thing that I think I'm going to take away more than anything is that don't be one of those parents that I normally am, which is like, ah, I'm sure it'll be fine. A 20-month <laughs> waiting list for uh, public health for, of speech pathology. That's too long. I only turned three in September. Uh, I want her to go to school with every advantage in the world. So I will be watching her like a hawk. And knowing that the letter R doesn't show up until they're six, that made me feel a whole lot better. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not a baby race. It's totally a baby race. Uh, and the idea of what you're saying is that if something's not right, intervening now is, like most things, way better than before they kick off in school and um, then they're kind of behind the curve with, you know, not being able to understand instructions or even put ideas in their brain out to the uh, rest of the world. Been great to have you with us today on the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you need to get in touch with us, askdadpod at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, dadpodgram. The best thing you can do for us is to tell a friend, tell a dad, a mum, dad, uh, someone to be a dad, your own dad, your kids, whoever, just share this podcast with someone. That's like the greatest thing you can do for us. Yeah, we're getting smashed in the bloody uh, parenting charts by all these people with like PhDs and stuff. Who do they think they are? For God's sake. Let, let two chumps who just decided to start talking about pee dads. Let us get into the top 10. That's what we want. Yeah. We've got stubble and hoodies. Doesn't that make us qualified? Surely. <laughs> we got cred, man. Yeah, sure, they've got degrees, but we're cool. Every other podcast is stubble and hoodies at the top of the charts. So how come this isn't it? Good God. <laughs> <laughs> Until we see you next time, uh, thanks for joining us, and I'm going to leave Charlie to say... Don't touch that. Hold up. 